And this morning, if you grab notes on your way in, you're welcome to take notes with us or do that on the Three Crosses app. But the way I wanted to start this morning was that a lot of times we, we look at Christmas and, and we imagine that it's the season of light. But I think that idea of Christmas being the season of light is, is not developed enough. I think rather Christmas is a season of light against a backdrop of great darkness. I think that's what makes Christmas Christmas. Christmas is a season of light against a backdrop of great darkness. And this is true in every aspect of Christmas, whether it's the Jose y Maria Christmas painting or if it's Christmas carols that we sing. And this morning we sang Joy to the World, which is like the most light Christmas song of all time. The Lord has come, let earth receive her king, and all these verses about that. But we skipped one verse. Did you notice that? We skipped the verse where darkness lays the background for what's happening on Christmas. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Enjoy to the world is a song that's set on a backdrop of a cursed world where joy has come because light is coming to transform it. As full disclosure, as we start talking this direction, I'm going to ruin a lot of Christmas songs for you this morning. <laughs> but hopefully it makes it a richer experience for you. One is A Holy Night. Have you ever noticed the darkness in A Holy Night? You probably don't because it starts with O Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. This is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious mourn. Fall on your knees, hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. And the series has been entitled The Longest Night, taking the long journey, the long dark journey down the road from Bethlehem, from Babylon to Bethlehem. And a lot of you have said, man, this doesn't feel like a Christmas season. We're talking about Babylon and bondage and darkness and waiting. And yet I've talked to a lot of folks in this room over these last few weeks who've said, man, this Christmas series has meant so much to me because I'm in a season of darkness and so I said, well, I'm glad because I thought this series might be a downer. And I said, no, no, no. I'm realizing in this Christmas message that even in my darkness, there's hope. There's hope on the other side when Jesus comes. If your life is in darkness, take heart the darkness in your life will add a beautiful richness to the story God is writing in and through you. There's something about darkness that makes the light more beautiful. And we'll see that this morning as we dive into Luke chapter 2. You could turn there if you haven't done it already. Luke chapter 2. I want to pick up kind of where we left off in our reading this morning because I noticed something about the Christmas story. When I say the Christmas story, I don't mean just this. I mean from the beginning of Matthew and that story or Luke and that story. The Christmas story always seems to come in pairs. Have you noticed that? You hear about Mary, this young girl who gets blindsided by hope and this humbling reality that God's going to bear a child through her. And then you hear about Joseph, 
This guy who just finds out that his girlfriend's pregnant and he has no idea what's happening. You hear about Mary and Joseph, this young couple at the, at the edge of something beautiful. And then you hear about Zechariah and Elizabeth. This couple who has been battling discouragement for years, feeling like God has forsaken them because of their long season of infertility. And then God blesses them almost the opposite in their old age with John the Baptist. We hear about the wise men. And we think about these guys who just hear about Jesus and start this trek to meet him. And then they come and you hear about Herod, this guy who wants to come and kill Jesus instead of honor him. And here in Luke chapter 2, we hear about the shepherds. And for us, the shepherds are like the most iconic picture of the Christmas story because the shepherds, they're just minding their own business. They're out at night. They're looking out over the flocks and suddenly, that word suddenly comes and they're blindsided by the Christmas message. But if we notice that the Christmas story often comes in pairs, we would wonder, well, who's the other side of the shepherd's story? If the shepherds are a group of men who are blindsided by hope and they meet Jesus and they never expected him, who is the people that have been waiting for Jesus for a long, long time and this news means something different to them? We find those folks in the next paragraph. It's a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna, who where the shepherds have heard about Jesus for the first time out on that hillside. They've been waiting for Jesus for decades. And it means something differently to them when they finally do meet him. If you're taking notes, that list on the left side, Mary and Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men, it seems like these are the main characters for us of the Christmas story. You rarely see Zechariah and Elizabeth in a play. Uh, you don't really have like the little kid who gets to play baby Herod or whatever in the, not baby Herod, I guess Herod in the Christmas story. Oh, my son's Herod, he's going to kill baby Jesus, right? <laughs> like the nice shiny characters, the main characters. And, and then we have the rest of the folks who kind of become the forgotten characters in the Christmas story. And it's interesting that we've done that. Because God obviously wanted to weave both of these types of characters into the story that we remember, but we like to remember the shiny stuff. We like to remember the lights and the glamour and the glitz of Christmas. We like to drop the dark verses out of the songs when we sing them in public. Who wants to sing about sin and error, pining, right? Let's sing joy to the world instead. But I think the problem that happens in our own lives is that we start to believe that God is only in the shiny stuff. That we're in seasons of life and things are going great. It's like, God is working. I'm blessed. But then when life is dark, when it's winter, when it feels like God is not working, it seems like we've been forsaken. We feel like the forgotten characters in God's story. And we say, God, where are you? Yet we learn as we read the Christmas story that the forgotten characters are a huge part of the story. Let's let's read Simeon's account here in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 28. This is right after the shepherds. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And then in verse 21, On the eighth day, when it came time to circumcise Jesus, he was na- circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And then Joseph and Mary took Jesus to dedicate him in the temple and offer a sacrifice. This is where Simeon comes in. Now there was a man in Jerusalem Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. We see Simeon, this forgotten character in the Christmas narrative, this man who a lot of times we kind of turn the page and say, okay, this is when the next season of Jesus' ministry begins. And, And the irony is that Simeon most likely felt forgotten. This is a man who has been serving God for years and years. God said, you're not going to die before you meet the Messiah. And now he's getting old and aged and he's going and going and serving and serving even though he seems by all onlookers like he was forgotten by God. And yet when Simeon meets Jesus, the beauty is that he realizes in that moment, and we do too, that he's not forgotten. I think that's one of the beautiful things about the Christmas story is that we learn in Christmas that God has not forgotten you. If you're in a season where it just feels like everyone else is having these bright and shiny moments, and for you, Christmas is hard. Christmas reminds you of loss. Christmas reminds you that you're still not there yet. Christmas reminds you you're still out in the cold. Christmas reminds you that it's dark earlier. Christmas reminds you of all that dark backdrop we've talked about. The Christmas message is that warmth is coming and God has not forgotten you. And Simeon meets Jesus. He's overjoyed. It means something different to him. I mean, there's something beautiful about the shepherds, right? Because they're blindsided by this light. There's something beautiful about Mary who's humbled. She didn't expect this was coming. But there's something more rich and beautiful about Simeon or Zechariah or Elizabeth who've been longing for this moment for decades and decades and decades. We read the story of Mary and it makes us smile. We should read the story of Elizabeth and it should make us cry because this couple has battled the reputation that came came in that culture of being barren, of being childless, of being unable to produce children and the judgment that people were putting on them. And, And Elizabeth comes out of that moment when she finds out that she's going to have a baby in her old age and she says, God has taken the shame away from our household. I've been waiting for this moment. I didn't think it was coming, but it came. God has not forgotten me. That's the Christmas story. Simeon in the temple, Anna in the temple, this woman who's been laboring for years and years and years, and this man who's been laboring for years and years and years, they find out when they meet this Messiah, the long-awaited Jesus, that God had not forgotten them after all. I love what Simeon says when he meets Jesus in verse 29. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. God, I'm I'm ready to die now because you didn't forget me, because you kept your promise, because my whole life's work is, is right in front of my eyes. It's beautiful. It's kind of sad, too. We hear a little bit about this backstory of this woman, Anna, who comes in after Simeon. And she's been waiting for God for a long time. We hear in the story that that her husband passed away after seven years of marriage. Most likely she got married in her teens. So in her early 20s, she became a widow. And Luke tells us that she started serving in the temple day and night, never departing, praying, 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 and now she's in her 80s, 60 years later. 
and then Jesus comes. And so it's beautiful. Her, her life's work is coming together. She's been praying for this moment. Now it's here. It's beautiful. Simeon was told by God, you're not going to die until you met Jesus. Then he meets Jesus and says, I'm ready to die. But, but it's also kind of sad. I mean, that's it. 60 years and then you attend a baby dedication and then it's over? Laboring for decades in the temple and then you meet the child and, and it's over? Now, this thing that's so beautiful, some of it, it's, it's our greatest fear. Now, our greatest fear is that we're going to labor and serve and, and reach out to God for years and years and years and never hear anything until we're on our deathbed and then finally we get an answer to our prayers. That's our fear. That's their Christmas. And so we read this and you feel, you feel for them, but you also kind of feel sad for them. Like they, it's almost like they wasted their lives waiting for God to move. And the interesting thing is that when you read their story, there's no hint of that waste of life in it. Like Simeon comes in, he meets Jesus, and, and like, like we saw, he says, I, I'm ready to go in peace. Not I'm ready to go in anger. Not I'm ready to go in bitterness. Like Not let me die in, with my arms folded. He says, I can have a peaceful passing now because everything God has promised has finally come together. Anna comes and she meets Jesus. And she comes up to Joseph and Mary at that very moment giving thanks to God and speaking about Jesus to all who were gathered in that place. There's no bitterness. There's no why, God, why. It's more of a, yes, you did it. It came true. As I was reading this story this week, I was picturing like a mathematician who had devoted her whole life to trying to solve this really complex problem. And so college, she's laboring. Grad school, she's laboring, trying to solve this giant theory. And it's like one of those movies where there's just equations in my mind all over the chalkboards of her life, right? And she's papers everywhere and strings everywhere. I don't know how mathematicians do things. And she's solving and she's laboring and she's working and she's working in mathematics. She's working at a university, always trying to solve this problem, just trying to give her whole life to solve this problem. No friends, never married, right? Just solving this problem. And then finally, at like 85 years old, she solves it. You know, at that moment, does she think, my whole life has been a waste? Or does she think, finally, the labor of my life has been proved worthwhile. I, I can push this world forward now because they have an answer to this thing. Everything I've devoted myself to has finally come together, right? Her biggest fear is that she would die not solving it. And yet no matter at what age it happened, when that problem gets solved, it's a victory. Because that was the quest of her life. You know, we forget that the quest of Simeon's life and the quest of Anna's life was to pursue the Lord and follow him. And I think we need to be honest that that quest, if, it's, if it proves untrue, is a waste, Right? Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? If the resurrection didn't happen, it didn't actually happen, pity us more than anyone else because we've devoted our lives to pursuing something that didn't happen. But if it's true, if Jesus truly did come, if Jesus truly did die, 
If Jesus truly did rise again and ascend into heaven, if it's true, then it's worth pursuing everything in our lives after it, following God no matter what the cost, no matter what the circumstances look like, because we know that the one who promised is faithful, and he's going to guard what he entrusted me until that day. That there's something beautiful about laboring in a barren snowscape, trusting that spring is coming. Simeon and Anna rejoiced because that day they knew what eventually came, come, it came. And they realized in that moment that waiting on God is worthwhile. If you're in a season of waiting, maybe that's what you need to hear. It's worth it. Keep laboring. Keep waiting. It's beautiful. I love the difference that we see between the shepherds and Simeon in the way that, that they react to Jesus, right? The shepherds just remind me of like some frat boys, like college kids or something, right? And they come in, they're like, whoa, right? And then they see it's like, it's a baby, right? But what are they supposed to do with a baby? They're frat boys, like, oh, cool baby, right? And, and Mary's pondering like, this is amazing. I don't really know what's happening here. And it's beautiful and it's warm. And then they leave and they're just telling people, Luke says, they just tell them what they saw, right? We, we saw a baby and here's what we heard, right? People are like, that's amazing. It's true, right? And they believe it. It's very simple. But when Simeon meets Jesus, his answer is not simple. His answer is profound. Simeon turns to Mary and Joseph, and he says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword, Mary, will pierce your own soul too. Whoa. It's not just a Merry Christmas. It's like he spent the last 50 years thinking about what to say in this moment. It's like he spent the last five decades of his life studying the scriptures to see the significance of this moment. It's like all that time in darkness that he faced was a time that forged in him a maturity, a depth, a wisdom that was unlike anyone else's. That when he saw Jesus, he knew exactly what it meant. God had not forgotten him. His weight was worthwhile. But I think we also need to realize that the darkness that we're experiencing can bring depth and wisdom like nothing else can. You see, Anna does the same thing. She gets up in front of everyone and explains to them the significance of Jesus, all in earshot. Yeah, these folks had to live through a lot of darkness. But when the light came up, they were different people. What I loved watching in that video this morning was just the way that God is transforming this couple through a season of real darkness in their lives. I love that idea that they're still on a journey. The idea that God is weaving together a life and they don't know where he's going, they don't know what to do, but they trust he's going to do it as they cling to him and cling to this church family and see where he goes. This morning in a moment, we're going to have a chance to dedicate this little baby and it's going to be a special time for all of us as we sing and hold these candles and remember Christmas. But more than anything else this morning, I want us to remember that when we think of Christmas, let's not just think of light. Let's think of light that has pierced a great darkness. It's not as cute as like a little plastic nativity scene, but but it's a lot richer. It's a lot more beautiful. It's a lot deeper. So feel free to cry when you sing Christmas carols. Feel free to sing the forgotten verses. 
Feel free to feel the cold outside before you step in the warmth of your living room this afternoon or your grandma's house or wherever you go. Feel free to feel the darkness so that you can appreciate the light and the warmth and the beauty of Jesus.